For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for being with me on this Wednesday. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and yes, happy warriors. Please follow me on social media. My Instagram is at Monica Crowley underscore at Monica Crowley underscore for photos, clips from this show, news about what's coming up. Also, my Twitter account is at Monica Crowley and on Truth Social, it's the same, at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show. Let me know what's on your mind. What do you want me to cover? Thoughts about what we are covering? And of course, for our brand new segment, Your Pet Peeves, our new segment is called The Complaint Department. So shoot me some emails about what drives you nuts. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Okay, today I would like to do something a bit different because we have a very special guest with us today. And there are so many big issues to get into with her, so many deep dives to do, that I want to spend the full show today with her. I am honored and delighted to welcome Dr. Naomi Wolf. Dr. Naomi Wolf is a best-selling author, columnist, and professor. She is a graduate of Yale University and received a doctorate from Oxford. She is co-founder and CEO of dailyclout.io, a very successful civic tech company, and she also blows apart conventional narratives and has for a very long time on gender, foreign policy, economics, and journalism. Most recently, she has been a true warrior in exposing 
the very deep and profound threats to liberty and democracy, and giving us the tools to fight back against powerful institutional forces that are coming against us, against our individual liberty, our bodily autonomy, and Western concepts of freedom. And we've been talking about this on this show for a long time. She has written eight best-selling books, including The Beauty Myth, which literally changed my thinking about a whole range of things when it came out in the early to mid-1990s. She's written another book called The End of America, which is also critically important. But her latest book, I think, trumps them all. It's called The Bodies of Others. And the subtitle of this is also important. The subtitle is The New Authoritarians, COVID-19, and the War Against the human. It comes out on May 31st. You can pre-order it now on Amazon, any other platform. Just go and get it and read it. Dr. Naomi Wolf joins me now. Naomi, it is such an honor and a pleasure to have you with me. So wonderful to be speaking to you. And as you know, I'm I'm a fan of your work as well. Well, I appreciate that, Naomi. Thank you. And as I said to you, the beauty myth literally changed my thinking in a revolutionary way. But I think your latest book called The Bodies of Others is one of the most important books out there right now. And if you, particularly if you care about human freedom and frankly, humanity itself, uh, this book is just a tour de force of truth, facts, and, and frankly, the exposure of evil. And I don't use the word evil lightly, but, you know, I heard the other day Dr. Peter Bregan, who's done great work exposing the WHO and the CCP, he used the phrase global predators. And I like that phrase because it's what the global predators have done to us over the past two and a half years. What they continue to do to us is straight up evil. And in this book, The Bodies of Others, you do a masterful job of revealing it and exposing it. So this is a necessary alarm bell, and I recommend it to everybody. So, Naomi, there's a lot to get into, and I'd like to start with a general question of what inspired you to begin writing this book to begin with. Um, Thank you. Uh, So, well, as you mentioned, you know, I've been concerned that even our robust democracy in the United States could could be degraded, we could lose it. I've been worried about that since 2008, when, as you mentioned, I wrote a book called The End of America, and The Bodies of Others is kind of a sequel. Um, And The End of America looked, it was a really useful exercise, because I looked at times and places in history where uh, tyrants, whether they were on the right or the left, the left didn't really matter, they all did the same 10 things, they took the same 10 steps, and it was a map right, of how you crush democracy. Um, and so having, having done that exercise and understood uh, what the signs are when you're about to lose your liberty, um, I did realize in 2020, by about July of 2020, um, I realized, uh, you know, that we were seeing a massive power grab uh, against, as you mentioned, very fundamental ideas of human rights, individual rights, individual sovereignty, national sovereignty, uh, freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, uh, bodily autonomy that had been at the heart of the Western ideal of liberty for, you know, imperfectly, but but there for 500 years, right? That that was under attack. And I also saw that the pandemic policies and, you know, my journey was not all at once. It was starting a 
in 2020, but continuing on until really the present, um, until the, the, you know, the writing of this book, I saw that um, again and again, pandemic policies made no sense medically. They were not true scientifically. The reasons that were being given were inaccurate, um, and, but they did make sense if you understood that these loose um, bad actors who might identify uh, not identical, loosely aligned um, bad nonprofits like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, the World Economic Forum, certainly I thought it was a conspiracy theory, but they really are after our rights and liberties on a global scale. Um, you know, the, the Chinese Communist Party and tech companies, they were literally systematically um, you know, crafting pandemic policies in order or influencing them in order to destroy the human advantage, destroy the West, destroy children especially, um, and destroy our liberties. And I, I felt an urgent need to uh, to write this book also because I have an unusual bio. Um, I was a journalist for 35 years, and I was also an, a political consultant to a presidential and a vice presidential campaign. I hung out, you know, I was in that world of like global elites. There's no other way to say it. I know them. I hung out with them. I went to those cocktail parties. I know how they think. And, and also um, I'm now a tech CEO of a successful tech company. So because I, I have those different backgrounds, I think I was maybe um, helped uh, to recognize, oh, you know, tech wants to kill off the human face because there's no digital technology that can compete with the engagement and charm and fascination of the human face. Or, oh, tech wants to destroy human spaces uh, like churches and synagogues where we gather and worship or schools where kids are learning in a human classroom with a human teacher or... Um, you know, town halls where we can talk to one another, uh, they want to kill that off because that's our business model, right? In, in tech, you, you're competing with human beings, right? So, the, so I was able quickly to understand, and then I show the reader, you know, the charts that reveal massive wealth got transferred to tech companies, um, you know, away from the middle class, away from those mom and pop shops, and away from from people doing in-person things uh, through this crushing of human spaces and the suppressing of human contact, human communication, human um, expression. Yes. And you know what? It, it was all intentional. And I want to get into that with you as well. But let, let's take a step back, Naomi, because you've laid it out. You've given us this brilliant overview of what all of this was really all about. It was never about a virus. It was only and always about power and control and by these global predators and, and certainly their leftist handmaidens here in the United States. But you make the point in the book about emergency law being used, it's always, it's always used as a pretext, right? And it's always right. used as a precursor to tyranny, which then requires a, a pretty violent uprising to get out from under that. You never restrict people's ability to assemble, to communicate, to have human connection, unless you intend to harm them. We have seen that throughout history. So we were being essentially conditioned to be oppressed and robbed and even canceled or removed from society. And we've seen this over and over again through history by totalitarian regimes, right? 
Yeah, Monica, that's a really good summary um, of exactly what I was trying to convey. Um, yes, there's a chapter on restrictions. And, you know, we were taught or messaged during the pandemic that all these restrictions on our assembly and even worse restrictions in Britain and in Australia than uh, that have been imposed on us here. But, you know, like I remember sitting in my living room and, and my governor told me I couldn't have more than six people in my home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I immediately had an illegal potluck dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Because he, he has no to do that in our constitution. And, um, and I did, I was very struck, especially I'm Jewish. I'm the granddaughter of uh, grandmother who lost nine uh, brothers and sisters in the Holocaust, um, sadly. So I'm very keenly aware of times and places in history that used restrictions on populations. They never happened in the West. The West never did that. Um, it, the places where you got, got restrictions, it always does precede massive theft or uh, further harms to populations. So for instance, in the Warsaw Ghetto, people were restricted. They couldn't move around. Jim Crow laws restricted people, and they were a fundamental um, methodology of keeping African-Americans from amassing wealth. They couldn't move around freely. Uh, Restrictions were imposed on Native American tribes um, when European settlers were, you know, wanting to move west and, and, you know, gain those territories, gain that land, those assets. Um, You see in the 1860s in our history in America that Native American tribes in, in the Midwest of our country were really uh, able to kind of fight on a very equal level with European settlers as long as they could move freely and engage in commerce. But the minute the government restricted them to reservations and prevented them from engaging freely in commerce, it was pretty easy for the government and the European settlers to um, and to gain an advantage over them that hasn't been uh, you know, yielded. Um, you know, Jews, I mean, in, in Germany in the 19th century, in Germany, it, you know, in the early uh, 1930s, um, restrictions on Jews kind of piled up and piled up, preparing us to be helpless when, you know, the final roundup came, which was pretty late. And you, so I saw the exact same kind of restrictions rolling out, not only over all of our assembly and commerce, but then specifically with vaccine passports and vaccine mandates um, in 2021. The very president of the United States in his speeches singling out one group of people to which I happen to belong for you know reasons that are no one's business. I'm not ashamed of them, but I'm not vaccinated and that's my choice. And, um, and I go in a little bit into the in the book about why why I made that choice. But the point being, the president of the United States called for a two-tier society, a society in which people like me don't have the rights that, that other people have, in which people who don't want to be injected with a, an experimental, turns out highly dangerous um, mRNA gene therapy, uh, you know, lose their jobs, lose their careers in the military. All of this is exactly the same as other times and places in history where two-tier society society was created, and then the ostracized or otherized group um, has their, you know, has harm done to them. So, so in the last two years, all of humanity was targeted the way Jews in the Warsaw Ghetto or African Americans under Jim Crow law were targeted. 
all of humanity had their free assembly, their children's education, their right to engage in commerce um, restricted. And that prepared the way for what I track in the book, a massive theft that's not over yet of resources and assets. Yes. Let's hit a quick break. Coming back with the phenomenal Dr. Naomi Wolf. Her new book is called The Bodies of Others, the most important book you will read. I guarantee you, go and get it right now. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Okay, we're back with Dr. Naomi Wolf, her newest book, and it is, it's a must read. It's called The Bodies of Others. You know, Naomi, uh, before the break, we were talking about how these global predators, and certainly here in the U.S., were uh, ratcheting up the pressure by by putting us in a vise. And it called to mind, you know, you use the Holocaust metaphor, and it, it really called to mind the metaphor of the frog in the boiling water, that the frog is mm. in a pot of boiling water and you slowly increase the temperature and the frog doesn't realize it because it doesn't really feel it until it's too late. And I just right. wanted to um, share two quick stories with you. March of 2020, I was serving as Assistant Secretary of the Treasury and around March 9th of 2020, I came home to New York for the weekend and I noticed only one or two people wearing masks in the airport and the supply of hand sanitizer at the airport stores was plentiful. And I remember thinking either this COVID thing is no big deal or we're just not prepared for what's coming. And unfortunately, it turned out to be the second scenario. We really had no idea who these malign forces were and what they were about to do in terms of stripping us of our most basic human rights. The second story is within a couple of weeks, New York State had stationed the National Guard at our airports. 
So when I landed in New York State, they demanded every every arriving passenger fill out a very intrusive probing form. And I thought, okay, now we're really fighting totalitarianism here. This is really what it looks like. So my question to you is, were you shocked by how easily and freely everyone in this country just complied with these new restrictions and mandates? I mean, everyone just gladly embraced the surrendering of those most right. basic rights. Yeah, I, you know, I've been pretty horrified by the behavior of my fellow Americans over the last two years, most of them, many of them. Um, and I've been especially horrified by the behavior of the left, uh, my, you know, my home till recently, my, my people till recently, because the left is supposed to be um, the upholder of freedom of speech and human rights um, and, you know, let alone kind of free assembly. And, you know, the right is supposed to uphold property rights. And, you know, the pro-choice movement is supposed to talk about my body, my choice. And like every every interest group across the political spectrum in America has an obligation to uh, have resisted or protested against some aspect or all aspects of these um, repressive assaults on us. However, I can't judge them that harshly at the same time or just judging them harshly doesn't help uh, us move forward because, you know, I, I think about my mom, right? When I think about people who believed and went along with everything they were told, if you read and you know, if you watch, NP- I'm sorry, if you listen to NPR, if you read the New York Times, if you watch CNN, you're just getting relentless propaganda and lies. Um, if you listen to Rochelle Walensky or Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're getting what turned out to be a barrage of relentless lies, you know, echoed in every major legacy news outlet. So again, I follow the money and I showed that millions of dollars went from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to support these lies and this nonsense. And also a billion dollars from the CARES Act went to influencers and community leaders, corrupted our institutions, our civil society in order to communicate these messages that are just wrong. Um, But, you know, someone like my mom or, you know, people I love, um, people who went along with it, they were told this is true. And they were told it from the highest sources in the land. They were told we're doing this for your own good. And they were told if you don't comply, you're selfish and you're harming others. Mm -hmm. So the people who constructed this assault are really geniuses of propaganda. um, Because, you know, if you really think that you're harming others by, uh, by not getting vaccinated, which is just not scientifically true. The, the manufacturers don't claim themselves. No one who knows how they work uh, knows the studies claims that vaccines affect transmission. Um, but if you're told that over and over and over, you you believe it, especially if you're in a state of fear and anxiety, which um, the, 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 the scariness of the messaging uh, activated people's fear response and also isolation. Right. I mean, I talked in the book about how even a single day of of time in solitary confinement 
scars people for life, even one day of isolation. And we were asked, especially elderly people, were asked to be months and months and months in a state of isolation. So that affects you. Um, that affects people's mental health. It affects their the way their brains work, which people who study torture really understand. I mean, this is why solitary confinement is, is illegal in a lot of countries, um, because it creates permanent changes in the brain. So I guess all of what I'm saying is I'm very disappointed that my fellow Americans went along with things they, at many levels, must have known eventually were not true. Like I'm super disappointed in doctors who know, right, but who were threatened with being um, delicensed if they breathed, breathed a word about questions about vaccines, for instance, or, or ivermectin or, you know, hesitation about remdesivir. But um, so they, they bear blame, but a lot of other people were thoroughly brainwashed. There's no other way around it and, and asked to join a cult. And it's very hard for them to get out of it. Yes. And, you know, Naomi, you mentioned the left and how you've always been on the left. I mean, I think of you and Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who are two iconic members of the left. And yet you were both essentially canceled and smeared and dismissed, uh, suspended from Twitter and so on for speaking the truth. I, I want to get to something that you mentioned earlier, um, because it struck me and I've been thinking about this throughout the pandemic, I've often thought that they used the global predators, and by that I mean, you know, our own deep state actors here in the U.S., Dr. Fauci, the CDC, Bill Gates, but then you've got international actors, the World Economic Forum, Big Tech, the Chinese Communist Party, that, that all of them used the one thing that you can never question without looking like an insensitive jerk, which is health. Right. So if an employee comes to you and says, I need to go home, Naomi, I just don't feel well. If you question that, you're the unsympathetic jerk. Right. So these malign forces behind this pandemic and this power grab chose the one thing that you cannot question, which is health. And then they made it into a global problem and a global panic. I think that was very clever and very evil. Yeah, super smart. I totally agree with you. Um, and I think that they also extended their demonic brilliance. And there is this kind of demonic scale, right, to their the sophistication of this, this harm, this, you, you said, use the word evil. You, people like you and I don't throw that around lightly. But I, you know, I've I kind of concluded there's, there's no other word that will suffice. You know, it's not just bad politics, bad actors, stupid people doing mean things. It's really this kind of Miltonic level of evil. But um, they did it, they did that all and used humans' instincts and impulses against them. Uh, and what I mean is there was a war on touch, right? You're not supposed to shake hands, you're not supposed to hug anybody, you're not supposed to, you know, get within six feet of people. Um, even though the data showed that you know, states and countries that locked down did exactly the same in terms of COVID as states and countries that were fully open. Um, they, they, they turned people's kind of desire to worship um, against them. Um, they, they turned human relationships against people. I mean, if you, if you look, you know, don't kill grandma, right? And so these poor kids who who were bombarded with this messaging in their formative years, uh, they're going to have lasting damage. Uh, they, they, th- these policies, I think, intentionally created um, 
kind of an inability and teachers I've talked to have talked about this, an inability for kids who are told all the time, don't get near another child, don't get near another child, a kind of um, Asperger's quality in otherwise normal children. They don't know how to pick up social cues. They don't know how to, you know, play with each other physically. Um, and also they, they, by masking children for a year and a half, and in some places children are still masked, toddlers are masked in New York, right? Makes no scientific sense. Um, but what it does do is it, it damages the human advantage, you know, as I've mentioned earlier, of speech, but especially cruel and lasting in children because studies now show that our kids lost 21 IQ points mm. in the pandemic due to restriction of social stimulation, 21 IQ points, that's the difference between average and genius or average and, you know, mentally challenged. So uh, this is this is war. This is war, especially, I think, on what makes American children American children. And that's why, uh, you know, the dedication to my book, the book is dedicated to the generation of 2049 because China, you know, boasts that in 2049, their 100th anniversary of their revolution, they'll be the world's hegemon. And I absolutely see the way these policies targeted children needlessly as recreating the next generation. Like, we're going to die off, right? We remember what freedom is. We remember what touch is um, and what being normal human beings in a free context, buying and selling freely, you know, is. My beloved stepson, who's 10, we got to we got a notice from his school saying, oh, kids who do not wear their masks properly will have a physical reminder by double masking. Straight up child abuse, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. imagine, uh, imagine what knowing that does to a 10-year-old. Like they will never be, kids raised this way, will never be the free, carefree, spontaneous, curious children who defy, uh, you know, bad authority that past generations of Americans have been. It's really unbelievable. I want to hit a quick break, Naomi, but you're exactly right. I mean, what they, the global predators have done here is normalized child abuse, normalized isolation, normalized yep. a society of Karens with everybody in each <laughs> other's business, normalizing <laughs> totally. a society of snitches, which, yep. you know, on our neighbors, on our family, like they do in every dictatorship. When we come back, Naomi, I want to pick up on this point that uh, they have basically conditioned us to believe that our freedom is selfish. So we're going to talk about that and a couple of other things with the phenomenon Phenomenal. Dr. Naomi Wolf, her important, critically important new book is called The Bodies of Others. Please go get it. Before we hit this break, I just want to take a moment to welcome a new sponsor, GenuCell. I've worked with GenuCell for years, and man, do they know skincare. Are you looking for soft, nourished, and silky smooth skin without the harsh side effects of retinol? I know most of us are, right? Then you have to try the Ultra Retinol Cream from GenuCell. GenuCell's new Ultra Retinol Cream with concentrated hyaluronic acid, hydrates your skin at a cellular level and builds on the deep moisture with the incredible anti-aging effects of a natural 
retinol alternative. So go to genucel.com slash Monica right now for up to 50% off the brand new ultra retinol cream. You'll also get Genucel immediate effects for results in 12 hours or less. You'll get that free with your order. You can't beat it. Go to genucel.com slash Monica. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Monica. Free express shipping, free returns, superb customer service, and 100% money-back satisfaction guarantee. Go to GenuCell.com slash Monica. That's GenuCell.com slash Monica. Okay, we are back with Dr. Naomi Wolf. Her new book is called The Bodies of Others, The New Authoritarians, COVID-19, and the War Against the Human. So Naomi, before the break, we were talking about how they, they used this, they used the pandemic as a lever to condition us to accept that th- this Marxist collective idea, the victimization of our entire society, but also conditioning us that freedom is selfish. And essentially, that's killing off what makes us uniquely American and what makes the United States a beacon of freedom for the rest of the world. They deliberately and intentionally tried to kill that off and and are still in the process of doing that, right? Absolutely. Um, There's no question. And let's also think for a moment about the role that AI now plays. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, just, you know, I'm I'm not a, a... I don't use AI deeply in my work with my tech company, but I talk to people regularly who, who understand its implications. And the reason I I bring this up is um, we feel like since 2020, the world has felt very uncomfortable, right? But it's felt uncomfortable in, in a way more intense than if, um, you know, the wrong party was in power or uh, the wrong policies were being inflicted on us. It's, it's felt uncomfortable because AI has the capability and they're using it to, to create scripts that are not human scripts. Right. And, and that's what I see happening around the world. Um, And so for example, uh, you know, it's pretty weird that the same story of don't go to Thanksgiving and kill grandma got repeated in Britain and got repeated in Canada and in India, in Hindi, in languages around the world. They were getting the same meme, the same soundbite. That's pretty hard for human beings to do, even if it's a bunch of bad guys and girls at the World Economic Forum, you know, emailing the same talking points to their lackeys in India, who then hand them down to their lackeys you know, who are editors or publishers in, in news outlets in their countries. It's hard to do, but AI can do that in a heartbeat. Um, let's also think about how coherent the propaganda has been. For, for example, if you consider every time you heard the words or read the words Delta variant, you probably saw the phrase highly transmissible right in front of right in front of it. And every time you saw the word myocarditis, you probably saw the words extremely rare. Um, and so AI has now the capability for those news outlets that are, are, you know, sign up to this basically to insert the same phrase 
you know, without even a human editor doing it. And so literally, what does that do to your mind and your perception of reality that, you, you know, you're a concerned parent, you're worried, you hear about myocarditis, heart damage to teens, but every, literally every time you read the word myocarditis, the, the words extremely rare are, are going to be there. Um, and the last thing I want to say about AI is the kind, you know, you, AI is, you can enter a, a set of questions into an AI program that then you'll get non-human solutions to. So let me give you an example. And I, I play this out in the book, The Bodies of Others. If you were to ask a computer, what is a human being? right? A computer program. You'd probably get a set of answers like, or what makes people human? They have rituals. They worship together. They sing together. They create culture. They create language. Um, they touch each other and bond. They have intimate relationships. Uh, they make each other laugh. They tell jokes. Um, you know, all they make music, right? All of these things were the things that were targeted um, by the pandemic policies. And so no one, you know, I don't think human beings would have come up with policies this inhuman, right? Um, stand three feet, stand six feet. That's a computer program, in my opinion. And the other thing about AI is it can adjust constantly as it gets human inputs in a kind of cat's cradle mechanism. So uh, I think I just want people to bear that in mind because where we, that's why I think, you know, the, the argument I present, I think is very important because we can fight back if we understand it, but if we don't understand it, we're just so confused and demoralized and we keep looking for meaning, right? Um, we keep thinking, why is Dr. Fauci saying wear masks, don't wear masks, wear masks, don't wear masks. Well, that could be as simple as AI has figured out that, you know, if you switch the script often enough, people give up and get demoralized, just like rats and learned helplessness. Um, so I just want people to be aware that we're facing kind of a, a brand new moment in history with a brand new tool that's being used against us. It's not impossible to overcome, but it's sophisticated and we need to understand it. This is such a critical point, Naomi, and you write about this. You've been talking about this for a long time. It's terrifying. It's called transhumanism, and this is a key element to what the World Economic Forum, Big Tech, the CCP are pushing, and it's all about, and basically, this is the, the tech business model, which is premised on eliminating human connection and dehumanizing all of us, and they want that, in fact, to be permanent. And, and not only is it terrifying from an AI perspective and stripping out our humanity, but it's also terrifying from a spiritual standpoint, because then what does that do to our relationship with a higher being? What does it do, do yeah. to our relationship with God? And you have been very fearless, Naomi, in talking about how this is spiritual warfare. I think you're very brave to talk about that. Could you just tease that out for us, please? Sure, Monica, but let me confess, I'm not at all fearless. I'm super fearful <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I go into that dimension. I'm very uh, nervous and scared because we're not supposed to talk about that, especially, you know, rigorously trained Western academically educated people like me are not supposed to ever leave, you know, the plane of material conditions and human politics. But I, I kind of reached this point and I, I share it at the end of the book. Um, and it was probably about six or eight months ago when I'd been living with this evil. I'd been 
looking at it from every perspective, using my human capacities, like all my intelligence that I could summon and all of my analytical kind of resources. Uh, and, and I, there was no way to understand it without going to a spiritual dimension of discourse. Um, I literally, you know, thought, well, there, as I said earlier, there's, there's no way, like, I know bad politics, you know, bad politics, bad people doing bad politics looks a certain way. They can only achieve so much. Um, but the kind of glamour and complexity and global scale uh, that was unlike anything that human beings could accomplish. And the other thing that really freaked me out was there's this quality of millions of people being sharing a delusion and millions of people embracing the loss of free will and millions of people saying the same things at the same time. And um, that really had this kind of uncanny quality, like, you know, and, and my mother-in-law said, it reminds me of my name is Legion in the new Testament mm -hmm. uh, that, yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I also thought, you know, this is so big and so everywhere and the forces arrayed against us are so massive that I don't see a way out of it just with these tiny handfuls of human beings who are very bravely standing up, or even if it was masses of human beings bravely standing up, I didn't see that we could resist it without, you know, without divine help, basically. And I also kind of concluded that, you know, if so many forces of, of negative energies were arrayed against human beings and against our bodies and faces, which are made in the image of God in our tradition and, you know, against intimacy and against child, you know, children, all the things that make humanity good and help us find a way to, uh, to God, um, that, that in a weird way, all that evil made me believe more literally in God. And so I sort of threw up my hands and thought, okay, well, I, I've reached the limit of what I can un understand or achieve, you know, as a human being, I, I need to ask for help. Um, and I, I do believe, you know, I, I'm not proselytizing. I don't, I don't think there's only one way to do this. Um, I think this is a very personal journey that everyone goes on in their own life. But I don't, I think we are at a moment in history where, you know, it's clearly a spiritual battle in addition to everything else it is. And it just seems that, you know, God or Satan or both have shaken every institution that used to hold the human experience and, and, and tested us to see which side we'd be on really. And that a lot of people who I thought would be on the side of fairness and justice turned out to be happy to collude with evil and a lot of people I didn't expect to be allies and heroes are allies and heroes and I you know I think we may be being called to kind of blame revalue fight for you know all these things, democracy and you know these really beautiful things that that protect us as human beings.
Well, amen to that. And I know we have to let you go, Naomi, but as a person of faith, I want to thank you so much for sharing your, your spiritual journey and being unafraid to talk about the nature of evil and how it is right in front of us. And, and what I love about the, the end of the book is you do offer strategies and tools uh, to push back on this, but it all requires courage in standing up and speaking truth to power uh, and truth to each other. And we can't do that without God. So thank you so much, Naomi, for being here for today, but also for your courage um, and in writing this absolutely phenomenal book called The Bodies of Others, The New Authoritarians, COVID-19, and the War Against the Human. We are so grateful for you and your dogged perseverance for the cause of freedom and, and frankly, for humanity. Where can people go and find you? Thank you so much, Monica. Um, So come to dailyclout.io. Uh, and you can also get a signed copy of the book there. You can find me at Dr. Naomi R. Wolf on Getter. And you can find my book on Amazon or uh, IndieBound or your local bookstore. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful to, to you, Monica. Well, you are, uh, absolutely phenom- you are absolutely phenomenal. And I've been following your career and work for a long time. Dr. Naomi Wolf is a legend for a reason. Please go support her work, dailyclout.io, but also this phenomenal and very important new book, The Bodies of Others. Please go get it, read it, learn it, absorb it. Dr. Naomi Wolf, thank you so much. Thank you, Monica. Take care. Well, wasn't that quite the conversation? I told you the Monica Crowley, Naomi Wolf interview would be dynamite. And it was. I'm going to have her back because she is just so good. And the information is just too important. Send me an email. Let me know what you thought about my conversation with Naomi, Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. The conversation about the global predators must continue. And as I have said, they are meeting this week, all week, the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, and the World Health Assembly, which is part of the WHO, meeting as we speak in Geneva. So the global predators are hot and heavy this week. And that's why that conversation that we just had with Naomi Wolf is so important, remains important because these global predators are not going to stop. They've already tasted enormous power and control particularly over the last two years with COVID and everything that they leveraged with that pandemic in order to gain ever greater power and control. So they're not going to stop. We're going to have Naomi back on the show relatively soon because all of this stuff is just way too hot and way too important. Okay, let's jump right into the email bag. Eddie writes, this is about my conversation on Monday with Tina Brown about her new book about the British royals. And he writes, your discussion with Tina Brown was great. But a missing question is, is Diana's horse trainer Harry's biological father? Thanks. Well, that's a great question, Eddie. And Tina Brown's first book on the British royals, The Diana Chronicles, addresses that very question, and I was curious about it too. So Tina knows the royals, she's totally plugged in, and in the Diana Chronicles, she weighs the evidence and ultimately comes down that Captain James Hewitt, the red-headed riding instructor with whom Diana had an affair, is not Harry's biological father. Now, I defer to Tina's research and expertise, but I am not sure that I agree with that. 
I was reading her book, the last book, and I was like, mm, I don't know. Harry looks exactly like James Hewitt, very little like Charles. And Diana certainly had her fun with Hewitt. So who knows? But it's fun to speculate. Thank you, Eddie. So late last week, as I mentioned, uh, we launched the new segment, The Complaint Department, where we highlight our pet peeves. And I started with one of mine, which is when people do not get back to you. No calls, no emails, no texts. When people just straight up ghost you. What the bleep is that? I also mentioned that I was raised to send handwritten thank you notes. Now you're lucky if you get a two-word text, maybe a one-word text. Well, this really hit a nerve with a lot of you because I'm getting a ton of your emails and keep them coming. Jamie, listening in Columbus, Ohio, writes, Hi, Monica, love your podcast. You talked about how you send handwritten replies. I'm a big fan and studied your former boss, President Nixon. When he passed away, I sent a card to the Nixon family via some address I obtained. I'm sure the family got millions of such cards. A few months later, I received a card in the mail, handwritten, thanking me on behalf of the Nixon family for my expression of sympathy. I was so humbled that the Nixon family would take the time to individually acknowledge my card. Listening to your podcast, I know President Nixon would be proud of how you are carrying on his legacy. Jamie, I must say that your email, this note, really, really touched me. And that's why I wanted to bring it to everybody because your words are very kind and they did touch me and they mean the world to me. So thank you. I was there when President Nixon passed away. I was working with him at the time. And you are right. We got millions of sympathy cards from all around the world. But the Nixon family wanted everyone who sent a card to receive a handwritten acknowledgement. So we made that happen. The Nixon family, they were and they remain a total class act. So Jamie, thank you so much for sharing that story with me. It completely made my day and moved me. It really did. Okay, we're going to have more of your emails on this, your other pet peeves and other issues, anything that's on your mind, send them my way. We're going to have more of them coming up on Friday's show. In the meantime, have a great day, and I will see you right back here for Friday's big show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.